All right. Good morning, everybody. This feels a little uh, odd with a bunch of tables out here. I feel like I'm speaking at a dinner or something. That's fine. Oh, shoot. All right. Well, let's get going. Um, this is going to be week two of deconstruction. So uh, tell you what, before I get into it, let's open up with prayer. Father, once again, we're um, happy to be here, thankful to be here, looking forward to singing your praises because you are worthy. Lord, uh, as we learn more about deconstruction, we do pray for our children, for those that are uh, believers, Lord, strengthen their faith uh, to face trials in life. For those that have drifted away, Lord, we pray that they would remember what they learned growing up, remember what they were taught, Lord, and they would come back to you. Lord, we thank you that your word is powerful, and that your spirit still works today, and we do thank you for your son. I pray this in his name, amen. Uh, I guess the Lord does not want me to use slides. So uh, last week, of course, we ended up being in there, and this week, I don't know what's going on, but I cannot put them up here, so... <clears throat> Trust me, uh, yeah. So last week, first of all, this is planned to be about a three-week session. Um, last week, we talked about what is deconstruction. This, this uh, week, I want to talk about why do people deconstruct. And then week three, <coughs> excuse me, next week, um, is about how do we deal with people that have deconstructed. And I know there's a fair amount of people here this morning that weren't here last week when, um, when we introduced it. So you're probably thinking, what is deconstruction? And just real quickly, kind of the, the genesis of this is, is, you know, I have noticed, and I know many other people have noticed, how uh, children in the church, often when they grow up, at some point, uh, at some point, leave the faith. And it's disconcerting, it's discouraging, uh, I know it's affected many of you. It's affected my family as well. It's, it's something here. <clears throat> oh, Don. Oh, <laughs> mm. mm. Okay. Thank you, Don. <laughs> I'm a tad bit embarrassed. All right. <laughs> All right, so there's the there's the uh, the three weeks we're talking that we're that I was talking about. Um, so anyway, where does the term deconstruction come into play? This is kind of a more modern term, and by modern, I'm, I'd say probably within the last ten years, uh, where people that have left the faith have said that they are deconstructing. Uh, they are tearing down the faith that that they grew up with. Um, some of them are uh, entering it, uh, what's the best way to put it, as if they're seeing what's real, seeing, seeing what part of that was real. And they're entering it kinda, kind of in good faith, or at least they say, uh, but really they are turning their back on everything that they, that they learned growing up. So that's kind of what deconstruction is. There's a couple things. Uh, <clears throat> 
those are the kind of the resources that I'm using. Uh, first of all, this book here just came out a month ago, The Deconstruction of Christianity. So a lot of this information is coming from here. Uh, Alyssa Childers uh, <clears throat> actually went through deconstruction herself, eventually came back to the Lord. Uh, and then a man named Tim Barnett, who I believe is a pastor. Uh, there's also uh, a podcast that I showed everybody. Trevin Wax uh, was a pastor. Um, now he has a podcast that, that delves into this in much more detail because they're hour-long podcasts, and he's got about two seasons of them. Um, uh, there's also, uh, Butch sent me a website, Stand to Reason. Also has a, got a lot of good resources. In fact, uh, I noticed that they have a lot of the resources from uh, Childers and Barnett on there. So those are the resources. <clears throat> and here is kind of the, the, the definition that they came up with in the book. What is deconstruction? Faith deconstruction is a postmodern process of rethinking your faith without regarding Scripture as a standard. And I think uh, Elizabeth last week was kind of brought up that, that deconstruction is, is almost a cultural phenomenon right now. Not just in the faith world, but uh, all over, people are tearing down things uh, without a thought of how, what am I going to put in its place? They're tearing it down. <clears throat> so when it comes to faith, um, it's a postmodern process. Again, that, that means postmodernism basically says there is no absolute truth, that uh, every claim is just as valid as any other truth claim. But the key here being that people that are going through this process take out the most important thing, uh, which is Scripture. So they're saying we're searching for truth, but we're not using the Word of God. Anything besides this, and of course we know that, well, that's where you find truth. So if you're, if you're discounting that right off the bat, then, uh, then you're not going not gonna to get there. So... Any questions on where we're at? I know uh, that's, that was about 45 minutes from last week and about two minutes. Um, but that's kind of what deconstruction is. Has, have you all heard of deconstruction before last week? Heard the words? No? Okay. So it's all, it's all new. Um, and one thing we talked about last week is uh, don't confuse deconstruction with uh, examining your, yourself and examining your faith. We don't have a mindless faith that we can and we should uh, examine ourselves in light of the Word of God. Uh, so deconstruction is actually turning your back on the faith. All right. So what leads to deconstruction? We're going to talk about four things here. And if you're wondering why I'm not putting it up as a slide, uh, unless you can fix it, Don. Every time I try, it comes up like that. So... That's kind of why I did it this way. Maybe I can do this. There we go. So what leads to deconstruction? And these are, uh, these are kind of the conditions for deconstruction. This does not mean that, that someone is going to deconstruct. Uh, first one we're going to look at is uh, adapting to cultural norms. Now, unless you are a monk or a nun or whatever, you are in the culture. Okay, we are swimming in it. We are, you, you cannot avoid the culture. Um, 
and we can't avoid being affected by the culture or, or at least being influenced by the culture. I got a scriptures here. Let's see how this works. Okay, that's not how it goes. All right. Let's go to Jeremiah. And I, I put it up here, but it's going to be very hard to read. Let's go to Jeremiah 19. Jeremiah chapter 19. And we'll look at verses 3 through 5. Jeremiah 19, 3 through, 3 through 5. I'll go ahead and start reading this. You shall say, hear the word of the Lord. O kings of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing such disaster upon this place that the ears of everyone who hears of it will tingle. Because the people have forsaken me and have profaned this place by making offerings in it to other gods, whom neither they nor their fathers nor the kings of Judah have known. And because they have filled this place with the blood of innocence, and have built the high places of Baal to burn their sons in the fire as burnt offerings to Baal, which I did not command or decree, nor did it come into my mind. All right, so who can give me a history lesson? Uh, what's going on here? Who is Jeremiah? We'll start with that. That's the easiest one. Who's Jeremiah? The weeping prophet. The weeping prophet. Yep, yep. Uh, that's good. So why is he considered weeping? Okay, I, I believe, I believe it was right before the exile. Before the yes, he's he's warning them before the exile to Babylon. Uh, he's pleading with them. Israel had already been taken. Israel had already been taken. This is this is the southern kingdom, correct, of of Judah. All right. So now, what's happening here? What is he? Why is he telling them that God is going to be bringing a disaster on them? What do you see there? Again, I'm sorry. Their wickedness. Their wickedness. Yes. In, in particular, what are what? Uh, child sacrifice. Child sacrifice. Yep. Um, um, we see they are uh, worshiping idols, built high places, so places of worship to Baal. Um, so the point being, where did they get these ideas? Where did they get the idea that, hey, our God is a God who wants us to burn our children in a sacrifice to him? Our God is a God that wants us to build high places to him. Where, where did they get this idea? From their society. From the surrounding society. Yes, from the surrounding society. So that's kind of that's how culture works. Um, how do you deal with it? Maybe that's the next question. Do you, do you uh, recede from society completely? Uh, do you hole up somewhere? Um, I guess that's kind of a, a deeper conversation, but what do you do 
well, let's go to the next one. Here, here's the next section, and let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 12. Deuteronomy 12, and we're looking at verses 29 through 31. So again, setting this in historical context, uh, if Jeremiah is uh, many, I believe thousands of years down the road uh, into Israel's and Judah's existence, and they're about to be exiled to Babylon, uh, Deuteronomy now is in the time of Moses. So Moses... Received the, uh, you know, of course, led the Israelites out of Egypt, received the law of God. And here's what uh, he says in Deuteronomy 12. When the Lord your God cuts off before you the nations whom you go in to dispossess. So they're outside the promised land and they're, they're about to go or eventually go in and, and, and take over the land. And you dispossess them and dwell in their land, take care that you be not ensnared to follow them after they have been destroyed before you, and that you do not inquire about their gods, saying, How did these nations serve their gods, that I also may do the same? You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way, for every abominable thing that the Lord hates they have done for their gods. For they even burn their sons and their daughters in the fire to their gods. So here we have hundreds, if not thousands of years before they even go into the land uh, that God is warning them, don't do this. Don't do this. So where do we get the wisdom? Where do we get the guidance to not follow what the culture is teaching? From the Bible, thank you, Gary. Yes, from the Bible, from Scripture. That's where it all starts. So, you can't determine what God is like by looking at the culture. Okay? You don't look at the culture and say, say, okay, this is what I think God is like. You start with His Word, which leads us to the question that we should think about ourselves is where do my beliefs look more like the world's than God's word. I want to add one thing. There's kind of a, um, a paradigm, and, and someone introduced this maybe a year or two ago, how um, as Christians, we live in a negative world. Has anybody heard this? That, uh, that in terms of where we're at in America this, at this time, that America used to be a positive world for Christians. Uh, and then at some point, we kind of went into an era of a neutral world. And now we live in a negative world. And by that, mean, I mean that, uh, positively speaking, it was almost beneficial to be a Christian. Now, not everybody was a Christian, but a lot of our laws at least... Uh, were originated from scriptures or were at least aligned with scriptures. And then we went through a period where, okay, now it's not really helpful, but it doesn't hurt. And I believe we're entering an era where if you are a, a Bible-believing Christian and you are going to stand on that in public, that it could negatively impact you. Has anybody seen that? Yes, Cindy. Time 
Yeah. Now, that, that is a great example. Uh, now you don't know what to say about Christmas. It's kind of funny because we can dance around it. Happy holidays, but everybody knows it's Christmas. We're celebrating Christmas, but, but yet we can't really say that anymore. So, you can, you can say it. You might get some Yes, okay. That, that, that's, yeah. <clears throat> and I was thinking about that. Is there certain conversations that I can't have about homosexuality, uh, about, about the transsexual movement, that I can't have at work uh, because uh, I could get in trouble. You know, I would certainly get some bad looks, um, <clears throat> whereas years ago it wasn't that way. So with that said, living in a negative world, it's a lot harder to go against the culture. Uh, now, I think, I think uh, it builds up courage, maybe, that I think we need to be more courageous. We need to um, not be as concerned about what people think. Uh, now, you know, obviously, let me caveat this with uh, we need to speak the truth in love. You don't want to be a jerk about it, right? Uh, but there are times, and, and I imagine each one of us are going to have one of those moments <clears throat> where I need to stand firm. And I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to uh, give up on this subject just because it's not popular. So that's what I believe. I think we're going through in America a, a negative world right now. Uh, now, that's the, that is America-centric, and what I mean by that is you ask Christians in China, and they're like, uh, yeah, we've been in the negative world for a long time, and it's a lot more negative for us. So it is all relative. I don't want to make it sound like it's terrible. All right, next thing. <clears throat> Again, this is kind of the groundwork for, um, for what can lead to deconstruction. Like I said, uh, you know, with the culture, we all live in it. So just by living in it doesn't mean you're going to deconstruct. It doesn't mean you're going to walk away from the Lord. However, uh, some people do. Second thing is losing knowledge and love for God. Let me ask you all some questions. Who should I pick on? Steve. Oh, I woke you up. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Steve, is Jesus God? Don't look at the slides. <laughs> yes, Jesus is God. All right, let's see. Ralph, let me pick on you. Is Jesus the only way to heaven? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Okay, over this table... Cindy? <laughs> does, does God change? No. All right. Does everybody agree with those answers? Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Very good. Well, congratulations. You are in the approximately 50% of the evangelical world that believes that. You heard what I said? Yeah. The evangelical world that believes that. <clears throat> That's sad. So we are losing knowledge. How do you, how do you gain knowledge? 
How do you gain knowledge? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, we, uh, first of all, uh, obviously the Word, you need to get in the Word and stay in the Word. Uh, of course, church, go listen to preaching. <clears throat> you know, I, I think, um, I think uh, there's certain things that every Christian should know, okay? Now, we're not all going to be deep theologians. <clears throat> We're not all going to know exactly the history of Israel or the, uh, the kings in succession, know all their names. But I do believe that we should know the basics of the Christian faith uh, and be convinced of them uh, at the very least. So that, that's where it needs to start. So... If, you, if the culture gives us false ideas of God, uh, then the only way to guard against that is to fill our minds with true ideas about God. Uh, how do we do that? Of course, we go to his word. His revealed word is what is going to show us this is what God is like. So I said that we... Oh, the second thing was losing knowledge and love for God. So that's, that's just a reminder that knowledge is not the same thing as relationship, right? There, um, for example, let's say somebody asks me, Matt, tell me about your wife, Danielle. And I say, well, Danielle, she's got brown hair. She's got glasses, and uh, she's about five foot six. What would you think about that? <laughs> Was I wrong? <laughs> You're thinking, uh-oh, Matt's in trouble, right? <laughs> but why? Did I say anything wrong or untrue? In her eyes, you did. Okay. <laughs> Okay, now what if I say, uh, Danielle uh, is an amazing mother, that she is a wonderful wife. She loves to take care of her family. She, am, I get, am I getting there? She is, <laughs> she is organized, and she loves to serve, and she likes to have fun. Now what are you thinking? Good job. Good job. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> now you think, okay, uh, you don't just know about her, but you know her. You have a relationship with her uh, where you are growing to love her more and more. Um, so there is, there is that, that uh, not only the knowledge aspect, but the knowledge needs to lead to love as well. So this is from John 14, 21. Jesus is talking. He says, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So those th uh, two things there, he who has my commandments and then he who keeps them. And keep is, is, is almost like 
embracing them. So there, there's those things there. <clears throat> so with that said, you could be, and I'm sure it's happening, you could be the greatest seminary professor in the world and still not love God. You can still have all that knowledge and still not love God. So I guess let me encourage you all, you know, uh, stay in the Word. But not only stay in the Word, it's not an intellectual exercise alone. Okay, it needs to, it needs to get in the heart. It needs to be part of a relationship. All right, so those are two things. Let's go on to the next one. Number three, prioritizing personal preferences. I don't know how well you all can see those, but there's a couple quotes there. Uh, has anybody ever heard either of those? We should follow the teachings of Jesus or something along those lines. Jesus was a great teacher. Uh, that's just Paul's view, meaning, you know, the Apostle Paul. I don't know if anybody's ever heard that. Maybe this one would be more popular or at least uh, more common. I could never believe in a God who blank, blank, blank. Or my Jesus would never. Die. My Jesus. <laughs> I brought up the teaching of Jesus just because I um, um, knew someone that said that repeatedly. Great guy, don't get me wrong, but uh, it, it got to the point where I thought, uh, you're almost using that to the exclusion of everything else that God has said. It's not that the teachings of Jesus are wrong. They are. They are uh, true and, and, and holy and all that, but uh, it doesn't discount everything else that God says. That's just Paul's view. Uh, I saw that. I've seen that a few times. I remember reading a, a, a Christian writer, and it was actually a fiction book, um, but... <clears throat> Where in, within, he had a character within the book say something like, well, I don't really agree with a lot of the things that Paul writes. And I'm like, what? You can do that? You can say, I don't agree with Paul. This is still Holy Scripture. This is still the Bible. Uh, and then, of course, I could never believe in a God who, oh, okay, what, you know, tell me, tell me about your God. Where, where, where do you get information about your God? Uh, I guess I was in first grade when I first heard about uh, uh, Thomas Jefferson's Bible. Anybody ever heard hear Thomas Jefferson's Bible? I don't know if it's, it's a true story, but I, I imagine it is. It's been told so many times that he actually took a razor blade to the Bible uh, and cut out everything he did not believe in, uh, things like miracles, whatever. <clears throat> and he made himself his own Bible. Uh, and I think that's what we do sometimes is, is, you know what, I don't believe that part, but I believe this part. Um, this quote is from the book. It says that we live in a culture where human beings are defined by their individual inner feelings and desires. We're encouraged to live in a way that lines us up with those feelings and desires which become our ultimate authority. Anything that challenges that notion is considered to be oppressive. 
especially Bible verses that contradict your own personal opinion. <clears throat> so where does this start? Where do, where do people look nowadays? They, they look inward, right? Uh, and, and how dare you tell me that what I'm feeling is wrong? Uh, not only that, but how I'm feeling, you need to validate it. You need to agree with it, or you are doing me violence. Okay, I'm using the the lingo of the day, right? That's kind of that's kind of where we're at. Uh, and those feelings and desires become our ultimate authority. Okay, so that's kind of the third thing is. Uh, people start prioritizing their personal preferences. Has anybody noticed this any, at all? <clears throat> well, let's look at the fourth thing then. And we kind of looked at this last week, so uh, if you saw this already, just bear with me. <clears throat> uh, fourth thing is being in love with the world. Uh, and we talked about a a man named uh, Demas, or Demas, I don't know how it's pronounced, but we see him mentioned three times in Scripture. Uh, first time, Paul's writing to Philemon, and he sends greetings to him along with Mark, Aristarchus, uh, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. Then in Colossians, we see that... Uh, Paul says, Luke, the beloved physician, physician, physician greets you as does Demas. So uh, whoever he was, Demas was a fellow traveler, a fellow minister, a fellow helper of Paul. Not only that, but he was um, well known enough that the people at both of these places uh, knew who he was. <clears throat> but then we see in 2 Timothy, something happened. Do your best to come to me soon, for Damas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Damas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. And I mentioned last week about how this must have come as a shock. <clears throat> what? We know Damas. We know, you know how he helped us out. Um, I'd say probably or possibly rattled the faith of some. Uh, did, does Damas have a point? You know, why, why did he leave? Uh, I imagine if he had Twitter now or uh, um, TikTok. Did you ever figure out what TikTok was, Frank? <laughs> <laughs> that was your homework this week. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But if Damas had those tools, uh, I could see him getting on there and, and, and saying, you know what, I'm deconstructing, uh, this is why. Um, and I say that because so many that's what so many people are doing nowadays. Uh, they're, they're, they're almost proud in their deconstruction. Uh, and interestingly enough, they want to make converts, okay? They're, they're almost evangelizing for it. So 
I'm getting away a little bit from being in love with the world, <clears throat> but we kind of can see what that is, uh, at least to a certain extent. He doesn't go into a whole lot of detail. What was that in love with the world? Let me ask you, what could that be? It could be possessions. Possessions, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. Could be seeking a job, like overworking, overworking and having no time for God. Okay, yep, yep, yep. What were we going to say, Claire? Could be seeking comfort. Timothy was in prison when he wrote Second. I mean, uh, uh, Paul was in prison when he wrote Second Timothy, so he could be looking for comfort. He didn't want to stay around Paul. That's a good point. So he went back to Thessalonica. That's a good point. Maybe he uh, was like, uh, you know what, if I stick around Paul, they may... They may put me in here, too. <laughs> if he wanted to do what he wanted. Right. So, yep, yep. <laughs> no, all that's true. Yes. Okay. We, uh, <clears throat> we had some friends in Omaha that, um, and this kind of goes with what a bunch of y'all were saying, and I remember, so, husband, wife, uh, was it five kids? And uh, he was probably my best friend for a while uh, in Omaha. Well, at some point, he let it be known that he no longer believed in Christianity. Um, you know, I was pleading with him, and <clears throat> he said something to the effect that, Matt, I've tried it. It's, it's not working for me, you know? Uh, he was struggling with his job, you know, financially, what to do in life, and he's like, it's not working. Um, of course, predictably, it wasn't long after that, left his wife. Uh, not long after that, had a girlfriend, you know, a younger, younger woman. And, and I kind of see that kind of gets, you know, captures a lot of these things. There's the, there's the possessions, okay? Sometimes being a Christian, uh, it's not going to get you rich. Right? I mean, of course, the Lord can bless whoever, whoever he wants, but it, it, you don't become a Christian to become rich. Um, and the other thing is, a lot of times, deconstruction or, or forsaking the faith uh, is because you're being tempted in some other area. And, and you think, you know what? I want to do that. Maybe they're honest enough that they realize uh, God does forbid this, so therefore, what am I going to do? I'm just not going to believe it anymore. I'm going to go that way. Yes, Tim. When you consider Joseph from the Old Testament, and he was in prison, and you ask him, is this working for you? <laughs> you know, God seems to take an awful long time to play out certain things. And being in a society where we like things to happen now, mm. I, can call New I can call New York and have certain documents scanned and sent to me within a 
half an hour. Mm -hmm. you know? But God doesn't work that way, but uh, <laughs> we seem to want things. It's hard to be patient. <laughs> you know, hard to be patient. And you know, uh, when, when the Bible it talks about, you know, God's word lights our path, you know, a lot of times I think, uh, yes, he lights your path. He, he lights right in front of you, okay? We want that spotlight so we can say, what's down there? No, God, God is leading you, you know, step by step. Uh, and sometimes that's hard. Sometimes that's hard. Right. <laughs> you know, their, their sin and their, you know, they're choosing the wrong thing. I think you know? just like them, they're going to encourage them. Yeah. Say, I went through the same thing. Yep, I understand. So there is actually, uh, uh, there are deconstruction coaches wow. or guides. So you could actually, you know, I'm not recommending you do this, okay? But you can find a deconstruction guide, somebody who has themselves done it, that can kind of walk you through the process, uh, which, is, which is terrible. <clears throat> we might get into it a little bit next week, but um, we've already said that, that they are not using the Word of God as a, as a guide, right? That is, that, is, that is a standard that I'm not even going to consider. <clears throat> so... Where do they find themselves? Where's your journey going to take you? Because there's no, this is postmodern, right? <clears throat> there's, there's no truth claim that is more valid than another one. So where's your, where, where's your journey going to take you? Where's, what's the end result? And I think, and maybe I'll talk about this a little more next week. Um, but that's the frustration behind it. There is no end result. You're a seeker uh, without, without something defined, without something concrete defined. You will always be searching. You will never find it. All right, uh, let's see. So being in love with the world, what is it? You know, in essence, it is shifting from an eternal perspective, that patient perspective, uh, you know, that this isn't all there is. I know God is working everything out uh, for my good and his glory. Shifting from an eternal perspective to an earthly perspective. Riches, uh, glory at work, whatever it happens to be. I want it now. <clears throat> so uh, this quote is from a man named Rhett McLaughlin. Has anybody heard of Rhett McLaughlin? No? Okay. <laughs> Rhett, Rhett, and, uh, Rhett and Link uh, have this show that I bet your kids or grandkids have heard of this show called Good Mythical Morning. Uh, very popular. Um, anyway, they were, they were Christians. Both went through the deconstruction process uh, publicly. <clears throat> and of course... I'm sure it did much damage. But this is one thing that Rhett said. Uh, he said, it's not so much what happens after you die, but what happens while you are alive. 
So this is after he, uh, after he deconstructed and, and uh, <clears throat> went from an eternal perspective down to an earthly perspective. And in terms of this earthly perspective, it probably paid off, okay? I mean, they didn't take uh, controversial views, uh, <clears throat> you know, on the air. Uh, I guess they were, they were able to get different people to interview on their show that might not have come before because they were Christians. So they probably, you know, at least uh, temporarily it paid off for them. But obviously we know that there's so much more. All right, so those are the four kind of four uh, things that I say lead to, lead to deconstruction. That's, this is the, what we're all swimming in, uh, things that we all have to deal with. I think uh, we're about done with our time. So next week, we'll go ahead and get into uh, triggers. Okay, if, the, if these are things that, uh, you know, everybody has to deal with, the culture, uh, lack of knowledge of God, that kind of stuff, what is it that actually leads so many down this path? What is the flashpoint that sends them down this path? So we'll get into that a little more. Uh, <clears throat> anything else? Any other questions about this? I said last week I want to uh, end with this verse. Um, from John, Jesus, after some of his disciples left him, after some hard sayings that Jesus had, <clears throat> turned to Simon Peter, and he said, <clears throat> are you going to leave me too? Are you going to desert me too? And Simon Peter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. So it's my prayer that, that any time we doubt, any time we're tempted, we return to Jesus and say, you, you alone have the words of eternal life. Where would I go? So, Tim, do you mind closing us in prayer? Heavenly Father, you put us in this place at this time for a reason. You have promised to never leave us nor forsake us, and we thank you for that, for the grace and mercy that's been extended to us in Christ, and we know that because of your word, and it is true that you are a God who is omnipotent and omniscient in all of those various aspects, and we can put our confidence in you. Help us to keep our eyes fixed on you, coming week the culture is going to challenge us and people are going to challenge us but help us to stand firm in the faith that you've given to us we pray now for the worship service that we would uh, enter into deep worship with you uh, expressing our gratitude for who you are and what you have done for us and how we can be together in fellowship with one another and hear your word and so we pray for Pastor Joel and for David and Kate and all those that are involved with uh, helping us and leading us in worship. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you.